0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
1: Presented by T Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Live from the Play Show, yet not overly ostentatious studios of CBS Sports Radio in Houston. That's right, the site of the 2024 National Championship game between the Michigan Wolverines and the Washington Huskies. I'm Zach Gelb, taking you all the way up until 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. You can always give us a call, 855-212-4CBS. That's 855-212-4227. You can interact with me via the good old cesspool of Twitter or on Instagram, where I'm always straight flexing, at Zach Gelb. That's Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B. We welcome you in today across all the great local CBS Sports Radio affiliates, Sirius XM, Channel 158, the free Odyssey app, and of course, streaming on YouTube, youtube.com slash CBS Sports Radio. We have an action-packed show for you today. I have to give you a national championship prediction between Michigan and Washington. I'll be in attendance. That's why I'm here. I'm going to the game. I can't wait. Coming up uh, later tonight, kickoff is at about 745 PM Eastern, it's also Black Monday, we are finding out coaches who are getting fired, also general managers, speculation, who's going to stay, who's going to go, what's going to happen with uh, Bill Belichick, and in addition to that, we now have the playoff set in the NFL, the 17s in the AFC, the 17s in the NFC, and the next month, month and a half or so, we are football, football, and more football as we make the dash and we get to the final uh, quarter of the race of the football season as we are dashing to Las Vegas and the Zach Gelb show of course entire Super Bowl week will be brought live in Sin City and we'll see who we'll bring along and talk to throughout those five glorious shows got moist Mike and also Stuart Kovacs back in our New York City studios and Jed Fish the head football coach at Arizona who has done an incredible job, turn around that team from one win to this past year, uh, just having a very successful season. He has coached up against Michael Penix Jr. twice, with Arizona going up against Washington. And also, he was on the inaugural staff at Michigan when Jim Harbaugh did take over as the head coach of the Wolverines. But we got to start with the NFL. And we got to get into, really yesterday, an enormous domino effect that did occur. And that was the Jacksonville Jaguars in just disappointing fashion going down, not really having a pulse up against the Tennessee Titans. And you take a look back at that game and it just shows you really how much a difference a year makes. A year ago, we were praising the Jaguars. They came back from down 27 points up against the Los Angeles Chargers in the playoffs, right? You had Trevor Lawrence going to... Uh, the Waffle House after the game, then they go to Kansas City, and they had a respectable effort up against the Kansas City Chiefs, and when they bowed out in the second round of the playoffs, it was a feeling of optimism. It was a feeling of, okay, you survived the doom and gloom of Urban Meyer. Now you have Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl-winning head coach. Okay, you're not going to ruin Trevor Lawrence. You're number two for Trevor Lawrence, which has really felt like you're number one. It was going to be a super-duper success, And then this year, we were waiting for them to elevate. We were waiting for them to rise. We were waiting for them to be a legit Super Bowl contender. And I remember I was doing a show with Maggie Gray in the summer, and we were doing kind of like, what would you put on the line? How far are you willing to go when you would buy in on Team A, B, C, D, whatever it was, and one of the teams came up were the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I said – I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are a dark horse Super Bowl contender, and not only a dark horse Super Bowl contender, I think they could be the number one overall seed in the AFC, and it wasn't because I thought they were the best team, it wasn't because I thought they were the preeminent roster in the AFC, but you looked inside the AFC South, Indianapolis was supposed to be bad, the Texans were supposed to be bad, and you knew Tennessee didn't really have much at the quarterback position and was going to continue to be more like the team that we saw at the end of last season rather than the last three to four years coached by Mike Vrabel. So things were looking up for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And sometimes you make a prediction, and more times than not, you're going to get them wrong. But I have never quickly changed a prediction and pressed the big fat red panic button quicker than I did with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because all it took was week two. In week two, you had a Kansas City Chiefs team going to Duval, a Kansas City Chiefs team that was coming off a loss to the Detroit Lions, and they were just getting Travis Kelsey back. They were just getting Chris Jones back. But that Chiefs team, as we've seen now through the entirety of this season, and the Chiefs right now are not a force entering the, the NFL playoffs, they were vulnerable. And you only scored a lousy nine points? All righty, I pressed the panic button. I said, this team isn't ready to go. I thought they were going to win that game outright. But it's only week two. They were one and one. Zach, be fair. Zach, give the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars a chance. And I know the next two teams I'm going to mention are the two best teams in the NFL right now. But if you were ready to take that next step, if you were ready to soar, if you were ready to fly, you would have found a way to get one victory or at least make it a heck of a, a close game at least one time up against these next two teams. And let me remind you, both these games that I'm going to talk about in a second were both home games for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They welcomed in the San Francisco 49ers. They got stomped, steamrolled, obliterated, destroyed 34-3. to And then, a few weeks later, they welcomed in the Baltimore Ravens, and they lost, I think it was like 24-7. to So three games, three better opponents, all at home in Jacksonville, and it was failure, failure, and more failure. But even with that being said, even though they were not going to ascend, even though they were not going to elevate and improve and exponentially grow from what they did a year before, there was no way they were going to lose this division, right? And that's what they did on the final week of the season. They controlled their own destiny. They were going up against Tennessee, where it was Ryan Tannehill, And the last game for Derrick Henry as a member of the Titans. And this was a Tennessee team that really had nothing to play for other than pride. Their season has been over for basically a month. And your franchise quarterback needs to carry that team. And I understand. He's been dealing with injuries. I get that. But to not even show up in the game. Or when you're starting to get back into the game. After a slow start, and I mean a dreadful, lethargic, putrid start by the Jacksonville Jaguars, you are driving down eight with your season on the line. You get to third and goal. You're at the one, the one yard line. So at the most, you're getting two chances to put this sucker in the end zone, get it to a two-point game, and then you're going to get a two-point conversion. And you know it, and I know it. You get that touchdown. You get that two-point conversion. You tie that baby up at 28 apiece. Momentum has swung into your favor. In a game you had no business being in, you would have been rejuvenated. You would have been alive. And you probably would have ended up winning the game. But Trevor Lawrence, who regressed this year. Trevor Lawrence, who I keep on hearing, is a transcendent quarterback didn't elevate his team in that moment. They threw the ball on third and goal at the one. And then at fourth and goal on the one, he audibled out of a run. And he elected to go Air Jordan, Air Lawrence mode, as he tried to go over the top and break the plane from a full yard out. You know, you're a half yard out. I could live with that. A full yard out, that's not a smart decision. And look what happened from that. Not only did the Jaguar season come to a close, it locked in a playoff spot for the Steelers, it locked in a playoff spot for the Bills, and also, it allowed the Houston Texans, and we're in Houston right now, to win the division because the night before, the Texans beat the Colts, and we'll get to Shane Steichen's stupidity in just a second. So that one play, that one decision, that one drive, was a massive domino effect In week 18. And I love Trevor Lawrence. You know, I loved watching him at Clemson. I was told for three years, generational, transcendent talent. You know, when you hear transcendent talent in the last 20, 25 years coming out of the draft, you think of 18, Peyton Manning, and you also think of Andrew Luck. Those were the two guys that everyone was slobbering over and was giving effusive praise to. In the draft process. And that hype was met with Trevor Lawrence. And year one, you could chalk it up to, All righty, it's on uh, Urban Meyer. He was a disaster. Year two, they meant business. But then in year three, I understand there were some injuries, but even before the injuries, there were moments to show that you are this transcendent player. And you didn't do that. Now, I'm not going to sit here like some other dopes probably will today. And say, oh, Trevor Lawrence isn't the guy. Trevor Lawrence isn't the answer. Trevor Lawrence can't be a franchise quarterback. I'm not going to say that. But what I will say is, he's not as good as what they were selling. He's not as good as advertised. And maybe his ceiling is just being very good in this league. Now, I know it's a young career. But I have not seen enough consistent greatness in the first three years for me to say, that this was a guy that we needed to hear hype about for three years and if he was the second coming of you-know-who. And that was just brutal. And look at what happened right here in Houston. D'Amico Ryans, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson Jr., they're off to the playoffs and you know, after year one, that C.J. Stroud is better than advertised. You know that C.J. Stroud is a franchise quarterback and right now, C.J. Stroud is a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. And it ain't even close. C.J. Stroud is not only a top 10 quarterback in this league, he's a top 8, top 7 quarterback in this league, and he's only getting started. And Trevor Lawrence has more talent around him on the offensive side of the ball than C.J. Stroud does with the Houston Texans. And look at the way that C.J. Stroud just changed that organization in one year. For Trevor Lawrence... Yeah, sure. You're one, Doug, uh, Urban Meyer disaster. You're two, you make the playoffs. But now in year three, you're on the outside looking in. And you allowed a rookie quarterback in your own division to get to not only the postseason, but to win your division championship when he had a tougher opponent in week 18 up against the Indianapolis Colts. And your opponent was a team whose season was over for a month. Extremely disappointed. With the Jacksonville Jaguars. Extremely disappointed with Doug Peterson. And most importantly, extremely disappointed and now questioning Trevor Lawrence as a quarterback. Not that he's not good, but what will his apex be? And I was told he was supposed to be a top three, top two, maybe even the best quarterback in the league. In the foreseeable future when he was drafted. And so far... Especially this year, there was just too many moments where in big games, it's not like they got into shootouts, it's not like they were close games, and you could blame other areas of the team, the offense, in three of their biggest games of the season, up against Kansas City, up against the 49ers, up against the Ravens, did nothing. So let's get into uh, Doug Peterson, and let's hear from the coach of the Jaguars, Where he mentioned how Trevor Lawrence did audible that play on fourth down, where you saw him try to take off and break the plane from a full yard out. Here's the coach of the Jaguars, Doug Peterson.
3: He saw something. It wasn't the actual play call, but he saw something there, and he had an opportunity to uh, uh, sneak it. And and um, you know, with his length, usually uh, usually that that uh, that works.
2: Not from a full yard out. You know, I, I remember seeing Tom Brady. It was a Conference championship game against the Baltimore Ravens, 2011, 2012, circa around there. He went over the top and he broke the plane. It wasn't a full yard out and he got clobbered by Ray Lewis. That play can be a successful play if it's a half yard out. But when you're a full yard out, I don't care if you're 6'5, 6'6 like Trevor Lawrence is, the odds of you breaking the plane there are slim and he wasn't even close and you see it he was a half yard short so that would have worked from a half yard out but from a full yard out that's your play call and you elected to pass on third down two it was nonsensical it really was here's Trevor Lawrence talking about that play as well
4: you know don't try to take that into my own hands you know that's something I got to watch it and make that decision but it's done now you know I made the decision and they they trust me with those things and um didn't work so you know I got to take accountability for that and you know, at the end of the day, it's on me. If I decide to do it and don't get in, you know, it's one of those plays. You, if you do it, you better score. And I didn't, so it's unfortunate.
2: At least he takes the accountability. Some other quarterbacks cough, cough Zach Wilson last year. Uh, they would blame other people. But, man, the Jaguars are just a complete and utter disappointment this year. And if it wasn't for the Chargers and maybe the Seahawks, too, the, I would say though are the most disappointing team in football but then after that, it's got to be the Jaguars. I would say the Jaguars are more disappointing than the Seahawks because even though I thought the Seahawks would be the third best team in the NFC before the start of the season, I didn't think the Seahawks had a ceiling like Jacksonville did, especially what they started to build a year ago. And to see them regress this year, next year is going to be all hands on deck and it's going to be a massive year. It's a massive year for the quarterback who's waiting to get an extension. And even though I love Doug Peterson as a coach, and we know he coaches ass off seeing what he did in Philadelphia – without a quarterback, once Carson Wentz got hurt, and then you got Nick Foles, right? And it was just a a quarterback, uh, um, a musical chair of quarterbacks, Uh, eventually Jalen Hurts too, in Philadelphia. This is uh, one of those years next year where it seems like the direction of the franchise is extremely under question, and now we're going to see how the Jaguars respond, because it's been one good year, and then one really severely disappointing season for the Jaguars. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. I'm in Houston for the National Championship game tonight. Between Michigan and Washington, a man that knows both these programs well is the head coach at Arizona. He's Jed Fish, and he'll join us on the other side.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?
1: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: You can stream the NFL on Westwood One for free. Sponsored by AutoZone all season long. You can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL Live on the NFL app by asking Alexa, to open Wessel One Sports or on the Odyssey app, get in the zone, AutoZone. AutoZone's free battery testing and charging is available for free at your local AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. All righty, this is Zach Yelp show, coast-to-coast coast on CBS Sports Radio. We're live in Houston for the national championship game tonight between Washington and Michigan at NRG Stadium. And my next guest knows both of these programs very well. He is the head coach at Arizona. What a success story. They've been from one win to five wins and then 10 wins this past season. And he's Jed Fish, kind enough to join us via Zoom. Coach, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much. Congrats on an excellent season. How you been?
4: Great. I appreciate you having me on and uh, looking forward to tonight's game for sure. And then also looking forward to getting back with my team here in two days and starting our 24 odyssey.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Let me start you off with your squad. I love when coaches come on in, and a lot of times patience isn't given, but you've gotten some patience and you've seen some results and growth from year one to year two, and then you had such an awesome year three. Just take me through your philosophy on how you were able to kind of build this program and get them moving back in the right direction.
4: Yeah, I mean, when we got here, we took over a program that was on a 12-game losing streak and lost by nine touchdowns to their rival in the last game they played in 2020. And uh, we kind of, we felt we needed to not just rebuild, we needed to start from scratch. And we laid the foundation and the bricks and we said, hey, we're in a situation that this is not year one, this is year zero. And we got to figure out what we need to do. We got to understand our roster. I didn't kick one player off the team. Uh, I signed two recruits. Uh, I said, we're going to figure out what we have here with the 85 players uh, brought in about six, seven transfers that were available at the time late in the game. And, uh, we realized we, were, we weren't good enough. We were one in 11 football team. Uh, we played some games close and then we, we really committed to that year of recruiting that class of 2022, both transfers and high school kids changed the program. And, uh, we went five and seven and, uh, everybody returned. We added to that group. We didn't lose anyone from that group. We, uh, And then went 10-3 and this year and won seven in the last seven in a row. And I feel really good. Uh, We didn't lose any starters uh, in the transfer portal. We didn't lose any backups in the transfer portal. And uh, I think we should have a really good team with 18 returning starters for next year.
2: And it's not easy what you were able to do. Because I was at Temple and I remember seeing Matt Rule build that program up from nothing to then having college game day. Uh, come to Philadelphia but now that would never be able to happen at a university like Temple because of the NIL uh, transfer portal as well I know Arizona has a bigger brand and you guys got some good weather out there but to be able to go through some rough times and get that buy-in from the players where not only they trusted you but you trusted them so quickly it's really a testament to not only you but your entire staff how you're able to build that so quickly.
4: Yeah, our staff did an amazing job. I mean, we don't have some of the NIL resources that some of these other programs do, and some teams want to try to come in and pluck your players and take your players. Uh, What you got to do is you got to be able to fight them off with creativity, and I always tell our kids, hey, we're not going to sell you on NIL. We're going to sell you on NFL, and uh, I've got 13 years of experience coaching in the NFL. I've coordinated in the NFL and coached positions and quarterbacks and wide receivers for Mike Shanahan and Bill Belichick and Sean McVay and we're going to teach you how to do it right, and we're going to we're going to ask you to to trust us and believe in us and have a little delayed gratification. And if you can do that, I think it's going to work out. And our kids so far, uh, for the most part, have done it and believed in us.
2: Jed Fish, did you have to change anything when you got the head coaching job at Arizona? With maybe understanding the transfer portal now, um, did you have to change your philosophy in coaching at all? Have you always been the same coach that you've been throughout this journey?
4: Yeah, I've tried not to change it. I've felt that our best bet is for me to be the genuine me and our staff to be the genuine them and uh, be honest. We've always been honest. Uh, Be family-based. We're always family-based. Our kids are everywhere in our building at all times. And uh, we want our players to understand, like, this is a four-year window in your life. This is not your end-all, be-all. This isn't the very, very last part of your career, so let's do the most amazing job of creating a four-year window that's phenomenal for you. Now, when you're coaching in the NFL, your job is to get these guys the most amount of money possible because that this is the end of their playing career when they're in the NFL, and you have to help them become as good as they can be. But in college, uh, to me, it's still about relationships, and it's still about helping them build for the future.
2: Talking to the head coach of Arizona and Jed Fish, kind enough to join us right now. National championship game tonight. Uh, You did go up against Michael Penix Jr. this year and also last year as well. He's been sensational along with Kalen DeBoer at Washington. Uh, Since you have that NFL background as well and knowing the college game too, being at Arizona, with all of the information and resources that you have, when you kind of put on that scouting brain and you kind of look at Michael Penix Jr., what do you think he could be at the next level? Because it's weird. This guy's been dominating the last two years and I think nationally now a lot of people are finally starting to say, wow, uh, I can't believe this guy's actually a pretty damn good quarterback.
4: Yeah, you know, it's I played him twice. Um so know him pretty well. He's going for last year we lost 49-39 and he threw for 500 yards and Jaden DeLora threw for 400 yards and they had eight touchdowns together. And then this past season, uh we lost 31-24 and uh he threw for 350 and Noah Fafita threw for about 280 and um You know, so I've seen him. I've seen him throw the ball all over the yard. And uh, this kid is a special kid. Reminds me of Tua, not just because he's lefty, but because of his ability to anticipate throws. He doesn't need to uh, have the strongest arm intermediate um, in the world. But what he does do is he throws a deep ball beautifully. Uh, He understands how not to get sacked. He understands how not to throw interceptions and be a great decision maker. And he seems very likable. All those are the traits you want in an NFL quarterback. Uh, So I'm I'm excited to watch him. And then obviously I'm biased towards Michigan. I uh, worked for Coach Harbaugh. I was uh, his coordinator, his quarterback coach, his wide receiver coach. And uh, when his first couple years at Michigan and have a very close bond with him. So uh, certainly excited to see them play tonight.
2: What's your biggest takeaway? You've been around some big-time legendary coaches working with Jim Harbaugh. At Ann Arbor, what's your biggest takeaway from what you're able to learn from him?
4: Uh I mean, the the man is all about football and family. Everything you see is real. Everything you you hear is real. The genuineness just spews out. So when he makes a comment like, when you ask about my future and he says I'm all for it, he means it. That's his uh <laughs> that's who he is. Uh he's not gonna sit there and pontificate, give you a million answers on things that are irrelevant. Uh, In his mind, he's going to tell you about what's going to help his football team win games. He's going to run staff meetings the same way, team meetings the same way. And uh, it's about winning. With Jim, it's about winning uh, and everything he does. And uh, I I respect him so much. I I love the guy, uh, his family, and uh, my family are close. But uh, in the end, I just am uh, such a fan of Coach Harbaugh and what he's done at Michigan.
2: You got any inside scoop for us? Because I've been predicting all year that this is going to be his last year at Michigan and he's going back to the NFL coach.
4: I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, if he wins the national championship. It's hard not to want to win a Super Bowl. Um, But uh, who knows? I don't know what he's going to do. There's only 32 of those jobs in the world. They're, they're pretty impressive and they're pretty uh, they're pretty exciting opportunities to have, but I'm sure he's going to have his pick of the litter and he also can stay at Michigan and, and be uh an icon there, which he is already.
2: So I see this game tonight from a very basic way. Maybe you have more of an in-depth view of it with your coaching background. Jed Fish, the head coach of Arizona here with us. I think the biggest key tonight is just Michigan to do what they do best, and that's run the football and dominate the time of possession with guys like Blake Corum, who's a stud, and Donovan Edwards as well, because you know how great Michael Penix Jr. could be, even though Michigan has a really good defense. I think their best defense tonight is keeping him on the sideline and using that run game all night long.
4: Yeah, I would think that that's definitely a good uh, approach in the game. Uh, I think if you go into the game and you don't think to yourself like, hey, I've got to outscore Washington, that's your best strategy. If you go into the game saying, we're going to make them go the long way, we're going to see if we can control the time possession, uh, we, we had 30 minutes, they had 29, 58 or something like that. And we had 30 Oh two in our game against them this year. Uh, and it was 31, 24. And, uh, that's what you want to do. And I think Michigan, the way they run the football, they're going to try to get to 36 minutes, 37 minutes of time of possession. And if they can do that, then they'll feel really good about their chances. You just can't turn it over. You can't give them a short field and you can't let Washington hit too many big plays. They're going to hit some. But you just can't let them hit too many because if they hit too many, then they're tough to beat as the last 20 opponents can attest.
2: Let me just preference my next question by saying I don't believe this will be the case. But there are some people that share the sentiment that even if Michigan wins tonight, they would view this as a tainted championship, which I think is so lame because of this uh, like sign-stealing scandal, which I think has been so blown out of proportion Michigan wins tonight. How would you respond to people that say that this is a tainted championship?
4: I'd say if Michigan wins tonight, they're the national champions, and they're what, fifteen and zero? Is that what their record would be? Yeah. Um, I think right, they're fourteen and zero right now. Uh, I think if Michigan wins tonight, there is no question that they're the best team in America. They're the best. They're the best college football team, and they are the. Uh, they would be the national champions with no asterisk in my mind.
2: Jed Fish, uh, I want to just ask you about some of the other coaches you were with. Uh, what do you take away from your time with uh, Sean McVay?
4: Uh Well, I mean, hats off to Sean. I mean, Sean, they were 3-6 and six this year and they'd gone 7-1. Yeah. Uh, Sean, Sean's awesome. Uh, he's an unbelievable friend, unbelievable coach, and understands how to communicate with players as good or better than anybody in America. Uh, players will play for him. Players love him. And uh, his ability to be honest and and be a great strategist, but to be honest with players is awesome.
2: And that's going to be some scene uh, this upcoming weekend where you have Matthew Stafford, right, won won a Super Bowl with the Rams but started his career with the Lions. You have the Lions who are humming. They're looking for their first playoff win since 1991 as a football fan. I can't wait to see how that goes down between Dan Campbell and Sean McVay.
4: Yeah, and between Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. I mean, it's the double whammy. It's the uh, both quarterbacks. When I was when I was at the Rams in 2018, 2019, Goff was our quarterback and went to the Super Bowl. So uh, I'm sure that's going to be a big deal for everybody. It's going to be a great football game for sure. Can't wait to watch that one.
2: How do you view Jared Goff? Because that's always like uh, it has conflicting emotions from so many people on their view of Jared Goff. I don't think he's a polarizing guy, but whenever people talk about Jared Goff, it turns into a polarizing conversation.
4: Yeah, I think he's uh, uber talented. Tough as nails, stands in the pocket. You watch him in the pocket, and you see guys just falling out his legs, kind of going through his body, and he just stands in there and rips the ball around. Uh, Unbelievable arm, smart, very, very, very smart. And um, you know, I I can't thank him enough for my year, my two years with him. We were fifteen and three. Uh, It was an awesome year in 2018, and then in 2019. And we came back, and I think we were 9-7. and So, you know, my two years were 24 and 10. have been to a Super Bowl with him, and I just think he's a special player, uh, as I, is Matthew Stafford.
2: Yeah, last thing I'll ask you, Coach Jed Fish. So you've coached against Bill Belichick. You coached with Bill Belichick. There, it's all up in the air about his future in New England. He's been there for 24 years as the head coach. We know, right, he's the definition of, of what a head coach is, and he's been so successful and maybe the most successful head coach of all time could you envision belichick not in new england next year because that's been a thought for a lot of people not only this week but really for the last month
4: well he's a definition of the goat uh there's no question in my mind about that so if somebody uh if they make a decision for him to move on and he chooses to go elsewhere or if someone chooses for him to go elsewhere I, i know that whatever team he goes to will be awfully fortunate if he stays in new england they're awfully fortunate and uh, you're talking about the greatest coach of all time. It's been a tough year. Everybody has one, uh, but the difference between him and everybody else is he's had one. And uh, you know, maybe you could say his first year in New England they went five and eleven. Last year maybe they were eight and nine or something like that, with a couple one point losses. But you look at his body of work in 24 years, and what else do you ever want from a coach?
2: Well, coach, hats off to you. Once again, congratulations. You've done an incredible job with Arizona. Enjoy the game tonight appreciate you doing this. We'll talk to you down the road.
4: All right. Thank you. I appreciate you having me.
2: You got it. There he is. Jed Fish, doing an incredible job at Arizona from one win to five wins to now ten wins. I'd love to see a coach be able to grow and rebuild a program like that, which is not easy to do, especially with the transfer portal now in an era of name, image, and likeness. So it is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. We'll take a break. We do the segment every Monday and Friday. We'll do so on the other side. It's called Onside, Offside. Samter has a few questions for me. I'll give you a few answers when we return. But first up, let's send it back to our New York City studios. And standing by with the latest CBS Sports Radio update is the act man, Rich Ackerman.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
5: Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
2: It's time to Ask the Pros, where you, the listener, gets to ask us a question. It's brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Simply tweet your question at CBS Sports Radio or at Zach Gelb. Using the hashtag Ask the Pros, be listening later in the show. We might answer your question. You can think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs, get guaranteed low prices, and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Before we get to onside-offside, so i made it to Houston. We're here for the national championship game tonight, uh, Washington and Michigan. Uh, I did eye on football yesterday for eight hours. I got home. I watched the Dolphins-Bills game to a throw late interception. Josh Allen looked like... He was on the brinks of just being a turnover machine, and then uh, he pulls a rabbit out of the hat and goes back to being the uh, great Josh Allen that we're all accustomed to seeing on a football field. And that's just a roller coaster ride of emotions uh, when you watch Josh Allen. And then I probably got to bed last night at one one thirty. Alarm went off at five a.m. Eastern. Got to the airport, and the only thing I asked for was no delays. So I would like to thank United. They got me here at Houston, no delays. Now, this trip came about rather last second. Got the credential. go to the game on a credential. We'll get all the behind-the-scenes stuff tonight. You can follow me on social media, Instagram and Twitter, at Zach Gelb, Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B. So I did a economy ticket because that's all that was left. Like, usually I would – not that I'm flying first class or business class or anything like that, uh, but usually I would be able to pick my seat. I was not able to pick my seat, and as a six four six five guy – when they make you basically like the frosting of an Oreo and sandwich you in a middle seat. That was uh, not a pleasant four-hour flight. But for some reason, Samter, maybe I'm weird this way. Whenever I get on a plane, I think about what life would be like if this was it on the plane, and I'd have to come back reincarnated. And I have two answers on what I would like to be. If I happen to pass away and some reason they decide to recreate me and put me in somebody else's body, I would love to be Kirk Herbstreit's dog because that dog goes everywhere and it's a, it's a beautiful, uh, I think it's a golden retriever and it goes to every big game and it'll be at the national championship game tonight and it was at the Rose Bowl last week. You also want to know what else I would love to be too, Samter? I would love to be a backup quarterback. And if you need any further explanation on that, all you need to do is look at Jake Browning. Because Jake Browning makes a good living, rarely has to play when the quarterback goes down, then he gets a chance to go run with it and did an admirable job and you got to see who was cheering on Jake Browning. I don't know if that's his girlfriend or his wife in a Joe Burrow's suite as he keeps on renting it out or giving it out to Jake Browning's family. Uh, hello, it's a pretty good life to be a backup quarterback uh, in the NFL. So either Kirk Herbstreit's a pup or I would rather want to be a backup quarterback in the NFL, Samter. If you could come on back and live another life, who would you want to be, just wondering?
6: I, I also am never going to fly on a plane with you again, if that's what you're thinking about before every flight.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the only, I, the only reason I thought, I thought that is because years ago, when we were going to Radio Row, Boomer Esiason and Phil Sims were on the plane. And Al Dukes, the producer of Boomer and Geo at the time, Boomer and Cardin, tweeted out, if this plane goes down, it's going to be Phil Sims, Boomer Esiason, and 150 others die on this flight. So that's why, for some reason, ever since that tweet that I saw, and it kind of blew up on social media – um, I've always been thinking about that. And also, did you see that like part of a plane, like last week, a window like busted open during a flight and they had to emergency land it. So I was just thinking about things, uh, when I was on that plane today. And also I was, I was not in a great mood cause I was sandwiched in between a middle seat. And I don't think that was comfortable for anybody. The people to my left, the people to my right or me in the middle it was not fun.
6: Well, as far as like where you want to be reincarnated, you got the wrong position in football. For me, it's all about the punter. Right? (laughs) Most of these guys are making over two million a year. They do nothing. They barely have to practice. There's no pressure on them whatsoever. Unlike a kicker who has to miss a kick or whatever. <laughs> Punters have no pressure. You basically get to yeah. to, to, to punt until you're 40, you know, until your leg falls off. You yeah, never. But if get you're not hit, McAfee. You never get. you really not cool. You never have any pressure, and you get all the money and all the benefits of flying around. Nobody recognizes the punter. I couldn't name outside of Pat McAfee. I couldn't tell you the face of a single punter in the NFL. So you don't have the you know the uh, the the to deal with all the fans and, and being bothered at dinner or lunch so give me punter and that's the way i want to go
2: guess Samter wasn't a fan of ken walter and uh, sean landetta many years
6: ago anyway I, i'm sure yeah. they were fun. no idea what they look like
2: let's quickly breeze through onside offside stew hit it zach's
1: taking on the most polarizing issues in sports which side of the line of scrimmage will he end up on Offside, defense number 69. It's Onsides, Offsides with Zach Gelb on CBS Sports Radio.
2: All righty boys, Mike, what do you got cooking for me?
6: Well, the Steelers, once again, they finished 10-7, and made the playoffs, extending Mike Tomlin's insane streak of consecutive non-losing seasons to 17 straight. It's insane. However, Tomlin hasn't won a playoff game since 2016. Yeah, you said Onsla- had a
2: stupid rant on CBS Sports Radio of Shep trying to say that he'd rather have Tomlin than Belichick for his career, too.
6: I mean, it's a, it's the same kind of Popovich versus Phil Jackson conversation. The guy yeah. who has the, the resume or the guy who's done it with a variety of different talent without needing the super, super, superstars. But, yeah. who knows?
2: Belichick's 10-3 and 3 against Tomlin. Beat him this year with some crappy tea, But okay.
6: Now, onside, offside, if Tomlin goes one and done again, the Steelers should look for a new coach in 2024.
2: Uh, I'm going to go offside. Um... I know Schefter was talking yesterday how I guess Tomlin has a year left on the contract and maybe he will eventually want to move on. But if they lose this playoff game to the Bills uh, this weekend, I don't think people are going to – I would not be advocating for Mike Tomlin to be fired. So I would go offside there.
6: Offside. Now speaking of the Steelers, every team in the AFC North finished above 500 with three of them making the playoffs. The Bengals were the only team left out, but finishing 9-8 without Burrow does feel like a win. So onside-offside, the Bengals will be Super Bowl contenders again when Joe Burrow returns.
2: Absolutely. Um, I know T. Higgins probably won't be there next year. Jamar Chase will. The number one thing, as we've seen, it comes down to the health of Joe Burrow. You keep Joe Burrow healthy, you will be in a Super Bowl. You will be in an AFC championship game. But you got to keep your quarterback healthy. And now two years, unfortunately, he's been lost for the season. So the Bengals are still a Super Bowl contender when Joe Burrow returns. Absolutely onside.
6: Saquon Barkley hits yet another offseason with question marks around his future in Big Blue. And the former number two overall pick admitted the idea of being franchise tagged again, quote, makes him numb. Onside, huh. offside, the Giants should franchise Saquon once again.
2: No, I think you either got to give him a long-term extension or you got to let him go, even though you would only get a compensatory pick back for Saquon Barkley. And I kind of lean more so on the side of, that the Giants let him go this offseason rather than commit a big investment to Saquon. They got a lot of building to do. There's not a lot of pieces. You know, I know you have a good left tackle. You got Kayvon Thibodeau, but there's not a lot of pieces to build with the Giants. And yeah, you want the success that you had a year ago, but then that expedites your rebuild process. You don't have enough talent to maintain where you were a year ago, and that's why you saw a regression with the Giants this year. But I don't think it would be smart to franchise tag this and have both parties not really happy. So the Giants should franchise tag Saquon Barkley again. I would go offside. It's either get a long-term deal done or let him go elsewhere.
4: Offside.
6: Now the Colts missed the playoffs finishing 9-8 despite losing Anthony Richardson earlier in the year. Gardner Minshew finished 7-6 and as a starter with 15 touchdowns 9 picks but enters the offseason as a free agent. Onside-offside, Minshew should stay in Indy as their backup rather than looking for a starter role somewhere else.
2: I think Gardner Minshew can be an okay starter in this league. Um, Anthony Richardson is going to be their starting quarterback next year. Now, he gets hurt once again. You have a chance to come off the bench. But if a team tells you that you have a legitimate chance to compete for the starting job and you think you have the leg up on that starting job, uh, I would not say you stay as a backup. So Minshew should stay in Indy as their backup rather than look for a starter role somewhere else. I would go offside on that
6: one. Now, as Jim Hardwell prepares for tonight's national title game, rumors Hail swirl that he's interested in getting back in the NFL and has, quote, mutual interest with the Raiders and is also interested in the Chargers. Now, fans in Vegas were chanting for Antonio Pierce yesterday A- while Devontae A- Adams A- made A- it clear he also wants Pierce. So onside offside, considering the fans and the players all want Pierce, the Raiders should stick with him even if they can land hardball.
2: If they could land hardball, you hire hardball. If you can't land hardball, then you hire Antonio Pierce. So, the Raiders should stick with Pierce even if they can land Harbaugh. Unfortunately, I would go offside. Jim is a better coach.
6: Offside. Last one of the final week of the season, we saw some playoff-bound stars get hurt, including Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown for the Eagles, Sam Laporte for the Lions, and T.J. Watt for the Steelers. Onside, offside, these injuries reinforce the idea of resting starters, even if you're trying for a better seed.
2: Yeah, I would go offside on this one because it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you play people, they get hurt. Everyone says you shouldn't have played them. Then if you don't play them and they're rusty the following week or two weeks after that, then everyone said, Oh, what were you doing resting your starters? So the injuries that we saw this past week, and even though they stink, reinforce the idea of resting starters, even if you were trying for a better seed. I would go offside on that one. Zach Gelp here with you, CBS Sports Radio in Houston. Getting ready for the national championship. We'll take a look at Black Monday when we return after these short messages.